0: The Orioles did win on Sunday, but it still stings to lose that series in Minnesota, back-to-back walk-off losses to start the series, and Jorge Lopez entering his first bad stretch of the season. But I'll recap it all, get you my three big takeaways from the weekend series loss to the Twins coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, July 4th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I'm going to recap the weekend series for the Orioles in Minnesota. They lose two of three games in the series with back-to-back walk-off losses on Friday and Saturday. And I'll get you my three big takeaways from the weekend, starting with Jorge Lopez's struggles, who blew back-to-back saves to start the series. On the flip side, the starting pitching, having maybe its best series of the year. And then the Orioles offense slumping while Adley Rutschman goes into his second slump of the season. And we'll break all that down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. And before we get into my three big takeaways, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen Of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. If you could give us a five star rating and a review on those apps, especially Spotify and Apple Pods. It really helps out the podcast. Only Orioles podcast out there bringing you content Monday through Friday, five days a week. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell your friends and also make sure to head over to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. And if you're watching me right now, make sure to hit that red subscribe button, like and comment on the videos as well. And hey, look back in the usual digs after one week on the road, we are back to the usual background, hopefully better quality of our videos here as well. Thank you for your patience last week. But again, even if you're not a YouTube viewer, if you could head over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, hit that red subscribe button. It doesn't change your life at all, but it helps me and helps out the pod immensely. So once again, thank you, the listener, for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, Orioles and Twins, a three-game series in which the Twins take two out of three from the O's. On Friday, it was a 3-2 win for Minnesota on Byron Buxton's walk-off two-run homer. On Saturday, it was a 4-3 win for the Minnesota Twins on the walk-off single in that one from Jose Miranda as a pinch hitter. And then on Sunday, the Orioles did come back to win it 3-1 to avoid the sweep. And the Orioles, after dropping 2-3 of three in the series, have lost back-to-back series on the road. They are now 36-44. and through 80 games on the season, one game shy of the halfway point of the 2022 season. That's pretty crazy to say that after today's day game against the Rangers, the Orioles will be halfway through the season. But I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the Orioles' series loss in Minnesota. And the first thing is that, well, as we all saw, Jorge Lopez, it took till right about the midway point of the season, had his first rough stretch of the year, and I mentioned the Twins had back-to-back walk-off wins on Friday and Saturday. Well, both of those came off of Jorge Lopez, and in both those games, the Twins trailed entering the ninth inning. Yeah, the Orioles led two to one entering the ninth on Friday, led three to two entering the ninth on Saturday. And Jorge Lopez, who had been so good this year, just could not get it done on Friday night. It's a nine-pitch AB in which Luis Arise, who I don't understand how anyone gets him out. Finished it off with a single up the middle. And then Jorge Lopez goes 0-2 on Byron Buxton, has a slider slip out of his hand, and then hangs a one-two slider. And Buxton, who's been awesome this year, crushes a two-run walk-off homer to left center field. Lopez didn't even get an out, and the twins win the game. But Lopez said, you no, know, he was ready to go on Saturday. Felt he left the team down and he got the chance again Saturday. Orioles leading three to two, heading to the bottom of the ninth, and back comes Lopez. And, well, it was pretty much just as bad. Falls behind 2-0 on Jorge Blanco, who takes him deep to left center to tie the game on a solo shot 3-3. Then Lopez gets a strikeout of Nick Gordon, but after that, it goes double, single, and then walk-off single from Jose Miranda to make it a 4-3 Twins victory. Overall on the weekend, Lopez recorded just one out, a third of an inning, allowed four runs on six hits with one strikeout, no walks, and two home runs allowed. You know, the stats were crazy. The two games were bad. And those two outings jumped his ERA from 0.73 to 1.69 on the season. Now, a 1.69 ERA, pretty dang good. But jumped his ERA almost a full run in just two outings. That's how good Lopez has been this year. Now, he allowed six hits to the seven batters he faced in those two games. The only guy he got out was the second batter of the ninth Saturday when he struck out Gordon after allowing the game-tying leadoff homer. That was the only out he got. Six hits in seven batters. In the entire month of June, Jorge Lopez obviously did not allow an earned run in June and allowed four earned runs in these two first games of July. Lopez allowed only four hits to the 49 batters he faced in the month of June. He allowed four hits just in Saturday's game and got one out. That's how good he's been versus how bad he was in these two games. Now, you know, there's nothing to worry about about the stuff. Fastball Velo was actually up a tick, especially on Saturday. Most of the stuff still looked pretty crisp. Maybe a little bit less break, but nothing to be worried about. He is still the Orioles' closer. I know, obviously, the O's got another save situation Sunday, leading 3-1, to one, heading to the bottom of the ninth. And Dylan Tate came out there, got a 1-2-3 save with two strikeouts. You know, went ground out, strikeout, strikeout, Tate looked really good getting that one, two, three save. But even if Lopez had saved Friday and Saturday's game, he wouldn't have pitched Sunday. Rarely does a closer save three games in a row. It's just taxing on the arm. And we probably would have seen Dylan Tate anyway on Sunday, even if Jorge Lopez hadn't blown those last two games. So that's no indicator of his job. I was a little surprised Felix Bautista didn't get the chance on Sunday, but... Felix had also pitched Friday and Saturday as well. So Dylan Tate is your clear next option. He had some save opportunities last year. He locks it down. Jorge Lopez is still the closer. He's still got the stuff. He's still been ridiculous this year. It was just his first bad stretch. He hadn't allowed a home run all year. And then he allows a huge home run to blow back-to-back saves. Two straight games with a homer after no home runs allowed all season. The hit stat was crazy. It had been sixteen consecutive appearances without an earned run allowed for Lopez. And then back to back appearances combined to allow four earned runs in those two games. Hopefully it's a blip. He gets the day off Sunday. If the O's have a safe situation today against Texas, I expect Lopez to be right back in there, to be honest with you. I I don't think that's crazy to say that Jorge Lopez is going to be right back out there. He's got the stuff. He's still an all star. On the resume, just a blip on the radio for for Jorge. And and listen, you know, the rest of the bullpen was good for the Orioles. Six and two-thirds innings on the weekend for the bullpen not named Jorge Lopez. One run, three hits, six Ks, two walks, just two hard-hit balls allowed. The rest of the bullpen was great. Really, the only guy who struggled at all, it felt like, was Keegan Aiken on Sunday, who came into the game in the seventh and only recorded two outs. Joey Crable had to get out of a jam for him. And it ended Aiken's major league record, all-time record streak of 19 consecutive appearances of two innings or more to start a season. He lasted just two-thirds of an inning before being pulled in this one. But he still didn't give up an earned run because, you know, he left two runners on and Crable got out of it. But the rest of the bullpen was great. And they saved Lopez at least and got the one win. And yes, it would have been great because you feel like the Orioles really could have swept this series. Again, they were three outs away from a win Friday and Saturday. They could have swept this team. They didn't. It happens. It was tough to see it happen like that for Lopez. Again, when a guy gives up his first homer of the year, you'd rather it be to tie the game. Unfortunately, it won the game. When a guy blows his first save, you'd rather it be at home so your offense has a chance to come back. It happened on the road twice. It's a walk-off. Everything kind of snowballed, which was unfortunate. But at the end of the day, Lopez is still at a great season. He's still a great closer, and he's still the Orioles' closer. That's what matters. This weekend stunk, but he'll be right back to it if called upon in this Texas series. But even though Jorge Lopez had his struggles, again, the rest of the bullpen was solid. And the starting rotation this weekend, Spencer Watkins, Jordan Lyles, and Tyler Wells, they were outstanding. Maybe the best series from the rotation all year. And coming up next, I'll talk about why it stunk that the Orioles wasted two of those starts. But also why this bodes pretty well for a team that is certainly still looking for some starting pitching help. But first, here on the pod, got to tell you about Built Bar. Now, you've heard me talk about Built Bar time in and time again. One of our oldest running sponsors. They've always been there for us. But for Built Bar, they're the people who invented healthy and tasty. Here comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've. Probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and start listening. These puffs—they're actually good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and of course. They all taste delicious. But the flavor is only here for a limited time. So go to Built.com and make sure you don't miss out. And these Built Puffs, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they, again, are low in calories, low in sugar, and high in protein. And there's so many other flavors you can try as well. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15. So the Orioles drop two out of three to the Minnesota Twins on the road this weekend. Really could have swept that series, two walk-off losses, and they come away with just the one victory on Sunday. But another reason why you feel like they should have swept this weekend is because the Orioles may have gotten their best series of starting pitching all year, especially given who was on the mound. This was not John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, and good Bruce Zimmerman on the hill. This was Spencer Watkins, Jordan Lyles, and Tyler Wells just carving up the Twins' batters. And it started on Friday with Spencer Watkins and actually did not start off well. Spencer Watkins threw 29 pitches in the first inning of Friday night's game. And he gave up an RBI single. He loaded the bases with two outs. And Jose Miranda hit an RBI single to left field. And it would have been a two-run single had it not been for a perfect throw from left out of the arm of Ryan McKenna to gun down the second runner at the plate to end the inning and keep it at a one nothing game. Again, Watkins has thrown just shy of 30 pitches. You're thinking, great, thank you, McKenna, for getting him out of it at just one run, but he's already thrown 30 pitches. That was one inning. This could get ugly for Spencer Watkins. And then it didn't. And then Watkins just settled down and pitched five scoreless innings after that. And not even that, he rolled, rolled through the Twins. Just Casually retired 15 in a row after that. Spencer Watkins, six innings, one run, three hits, five Ks, one walk. It took him just 79 pitches. If the Orioles weren't so, you know, sure about the bullpen, the bullpen was in a good spot. They'd had Thursday off. They weren't super taxed in the series before that, especially Wednesday. So Hyde went to the pen after six. Watkins could have certainly come back out there for the seventh if it wasn't, you know, as close a game, if it wasn't a two to one game. Watkins probably stays out there, but you go to your dominant bullpen. And of course, you know, even though Perez and Bautista got the outs they needed, Jorge Lopez did not. But still, Watkins allows just six hard hit balls. Now, he had eight whiffs. Six of them were on the cutter. But that's the part that was so interesting to me was the cutter. And even in that rough first inning, the cutter kind of got him out of it and got him a couple of his outs. Now, he threw 79 pitches, 29 cutters, 29 four-seamers. And 16 sliders. That was basically it. He threw four curveballs. He threw one changeup. He basically tossed those pitches in there a couple of times. But really, he was cutter, four seamer, slider. And it seems like that wouldn't work because your cutter and your slider kind of similar pitches. You know, his cutter sits at 87, 89. His slider sits at 79, 81. It's a it's a speed difference, but they move kind of similarly. But he got six whiffs on the cutter on 17 swings. It was in the strike zone a lot. maxed out at 90 miles an hour on the pitch a couple of times. And what was really intriguing for me with the cutter is, by far, that was Watkins' best pitch on Friday night. That's been his worst pitch all season. That's the pitch that's gotten him in trouble. He started throwing that pitch a lot more early in the season. And it was just getting crushed. You know, that pitch has a 333 batting average against it. That's by far, you know, the most well-hit pitch in Watkins' repertoire this season. But it was dominant. He was throwing it high for swings and misses. He was throwing it low for swings and misses. You know, jamming righties with front door cutters. Jamming lefties with with front door cutters as well. Backdooring the left-handers. I don't know what it was or what changed about that pitch. But it's like a new Spencer Watkins. His two starts since returning from the injured list. Of course, he, he went down to AAA for a few starts and then came back. 11 innings, two runs, just one of them earned on eight hits. Nine Ks and two walks in that two-start stretch for Watkins. That's certainly serviceable for an Orioles team that needs that spot, that Spencer Watkins slash former Bruce Zimmerman spot, especially with Kyle Bradish out, Grayson out, Means out, Zimmerman still in AAA. They desperately needed this from Spencer Watkins, and they're getting it right now. So then we went to Saturday. We're thinking, how can you top that? Well, Jordan Lyles topped that. And... He goes six and a third. He one-ups Watkins. He allows one run on four hits. He strikes out seven and walks one. And he was rolling. The only run he allows is on a Nick Gordon solo home run in the seventh inning. That was his last batter, was a solo homer in the seventh with one out. He threw 100 pitches on the dot, eight hard hit balls. He only got nine whiffs on 100 pitches. Yeah, that's not great. But this is what you sign Jordan Lyles for. I mean, this is kind of the peak of what you signed Jordan Lyles for, six and a third, one run, seven Ks, and one walk. If Jordan Lyles gives you that every time, this is the best bargain-free agent pitching signing of the offseason, not just by the Orioles, but by anybody. Now, he's not going to give you this every time, and you'd like more than nine whiffs on 45 swings. But at the end of the day, the slider was once again good. Four of his nine whiffs were on that pitch on just seven swings. The fastball was you know, playing its usual 92-93 in the strike zone. And he used all five pitches. You know, he threw all five pitches at least 11 times in the game for 100 pitches. So he's using them all. He's mixing his pitches. And for Jordan Lyles, this is now three consecutive starts of six or more innings. After his previous four starts before that, none of them had gone at least six innings. This is what the O's signed Lyles to do. Even if he's going to give up four runs like he did in his start last weekend, at least, you know, pitch into the seventh inning. And that's what he's doing right now. And if he only gives up one run, that's, that's the icing on top of the cake. But if he's pitching you into the seventh inning, you're helping alleviate some of the stretch on a bullpen that has pitched the most innings of any bullpen in baseball. And although it's been a top five bullpen in baseball, they're going to start to get taxed. And what happened to Jorge Lopez this weekend is going to happen to Felix Bautista and Ciena Perez and Dylan Tate and Joey Crable at times this year if they're pitching that much. So to get that many innings from Jordan Lyles every time out, whether he gives up four runs or one run, you need that. But it's even better when it's just the one run. And again, it would have been nice to win that game. Orioles did not. But you'll take that start every day. Then you go to Sunday. And you've simply, you've got your ace on the mound. There's no other way to put it. Tyler Wells is the ace of the Orioles staff. A Rule 5 pick last year who was in the bullpen had never started a major league game coming into this year. Is the ace of the staff? I honestly think even with a healthy John Means right now, Tyler Wells might still be the ace of the staff. Wells on Sunday against his former team, the team that did not protect him from the Rule Five Draft and allowed the Orioles to select him a couple of winters ago. Six innings, one run, three hits, seven Ks, one walk, ninety pitches for Wells. Just five hard hit balls, the seven strikeouts. That was a career high. Fourteen whiffs for Wells. Also a career high in this game. He was rolling. He did not give up a hit until a one-out double in the fifth. He would have been perfect through four innings, perfect through four and a third, if not for Rugnet door error back in the first inning. The strikeout stuff was there. You know, he's talked about how he's not trying to strike out as many guys because he's on a pitch count every time he goes out there. So he's trying to be more efficient. It's usually, you know, less efficient if you're going 10, 12 strikeouts a game. But he was still efficient, 90 pitches through six, and he struck out seven. This was kind of the perfect Tyler Wells start. And I think the best thing about the Wells start is, you know, he cruised through five scoreless, easy. Then he comes out in the sixth inning. The Orioles get him back-to-back homers in the top of the sixth. Mancini and Mountcastle go back-to-back. Of course, a Rugnetto door home run was the other run, but they extend the lead from one nothing to 3 nothing. so you got a little more of a cushion. He comes back out in the sixth, and he walks the leadoff man on five pitches. Then he goes 3-0 and to Luis Arise and gives up a base hit. All of a sudden, you got first and second no-outs with Correa up. You're thinking, oh no, is this going to snowball? He gets the double play to Correa. Then Polanco comes up, laces the RBI single, gets the Twins on the board, makes it 3-1. to Wells just settles down, gets the final out of the sixth, and leaves the game. It's just so much poise on the mound. It's so fun to watch. Whether he's getting the seven strikeouts or whether he's striking out two in six innings, but still giving up one run. He's just so huge for this team. And Wells has been, I mean, listen, you know, he's now got the ERA. It was down under three when he was through five scoreless innings. Now, the ERA for Wells now is just above three after this start of the season at 3.09. But in his last four starts, 22 innings, three runs on 12 hits, 17 Ks to six walks. That is a 1.23 ERA for Tyler Wells. Through his last four starts. I mean, the guy's been locked down, and he's a stopper. He's truly a stopper. The Orioles are, you know, skidding a little bit here. They had lost four out of five. And here comes to they've lost five out of six. Here comes Tyler Wells. Boom. Six innings, one run. Get you the win. Stop a little losing skid. Get you back on the right pace. It's been awesome to see his transition to a starter or his transition back to a starter go so well and just capped off what, again, was a great weekend for the starting pitchers. Their final line this weekend between Watkins, Lyles, and Wells, 18 and a third innings, just three runs allowed on 10 hits, 19 Ks to just three walks, all three were quality starts. That's a 1.47 combined ERA from the three of those guys. If you're getting that from Lyles, Wells, and Watkins, you're going to have a good chance to win some more ball games down the stretch if you're the Orioles. But obviously, despite those great starts, one reason why the O's – didn't sweep this series is because Lopez blew back to back saves. But you could argue the bigger reason they didn't sweep this series is yeah, it was disappointing to see that happen to Jorge Lopez. But when you score eight runs in three games, a lot of times it's hard to win no matter how good your starting pitching is. And coming up next, we'll get to my third big takeaway from the weekend, and that the offense kind of is slump right now for the Orioles. And one of their key players is slumping right along with them. But first, gotta tell you about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs. You can get all your betting needs, sports info, everything. It's your number one source. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including of course Major League Baseball. Kind of dominating the sports world right now is Major League Baseball for a couple months here. But you've still got a lot of different things you can bet on and find the lines on MMA, boxing, and golf every single weekend. And you can get live betting, you can get eSports, you can get live scores, you can listen to podcasts, you can get all your injury news, everything at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Orioles dropped two of three over the weekend, despite some really, really strong starting pitching. And I would argue a bigger reason than Jorge Lopez's blown saves is that the offense just Didn't do anything. The O's scored eight runs on 18 hits in these three games. Again, they got the two runs in Friday's game, three Saturday and three on Sunday. And yeah, they could have swept this series. If Lopez is his usual self Friday and Saturday, the Orioles sweep the Twins, scoring just eight runs. But you gotta be able to add on in some of these games. And the O's just... Weren't able to add to any of these small leads they built in these games, and it hurt them on Friday and on Saturday. And for the O's, my third big takeaway is that the offense is slumping, and it's kind of coming at a time where Adley Rutschman is slumping as well. Now, Adley did not play on Saturday this weekend, but in the two games he played in Friday and Sunday, Adley goes a combined 0 for 8 with two strikeouts. And we know the slump Adley was in as soon as he got called up to the big leagues. And then Rutschman went on a tear for a couple weeks. Now he's kind of in a little bit of a mini slump again. In Adley Rutschman's last four games that he's played, he is 0 for 15 with six strikeouts, one walk is the only time he's reached base, and he has just one hard hit ball. It came in Sunday's win. Only hard hit ball in his last four games. A ball hit over 95 miles per hour. In terms of exit velocity. And that slump has kind of coincided. With the Orioles offensive slump. Now again. Adley didn't play Saturday. But in the Orioles last five games. Which encapsulates Adley's last four games. Where he went 0 for 15. The Orioles have scored a total of 11 runs. That is 2.4. 2.2. Excuse me. Great math. 2.2 runs per game. That's not going to cut it. 2.2 runs per game. They got shut out. You know, After they scored nine runs and just let loose on Mariners pitching on Monday, they get shut out Tuesday night in Seattle. They score three runs in the loss Wednesday afternoon. Of course, had the off day Thursday. Then two runs in the loss, as I talked about Friday. Three runs Saturday and three runs Sunday. You can't go a five-game stretch where you never score more than three runs. The offense has got to get it going here. 2.2 runs per game, not going to do it. And they're kind of reminding me of the early season Orioles offense. You remember the O's offense in April. It was a disaster. And the biggest disaster was the Orioles. They were getting runners on. They were walking. They were getting hits early in innings. They couldn't do anything with runners in scoring position. Guess what happened this weekend? The Orioles went 2-for-18 with runners in scoring position including an 0-for-8 on Friday night. That was kind of the big reason I feel like they lost Friday, not necessarily Lopez blowing the save, since they got two runs and they went 0-for-8 in these spots. And it came up at some big times, including in the first inning on Sunday, and it didn't end up hurting them because they win that game. But, you know, Mancini reaches on the air, Mountcastle doubles. you got second and third with one out with Santander and Rutschman coming up. You feel like you're at least going to get one run home. And a pop-out and a ground-out, and they go scoreless in the first. And the O's, they had to rely on the solo home run on Sunday. Three solo shots, Odor, Mancini, and Mountcastle, were the three runs on Sunday. On Friday, you know, the Orioles got one run with a RBI double from Cedric Mullins in the third inning, where he scored Mateo from first base on a double with two outs, so not a hit with runners in scoring position. And then in the game on, or excuse me, the second run Friday comes where Mateo just kind of puts the ball in play with McKenna on third, and the throw to the plate was late. McKenna scores to give the O's a 2-1 lead late in that game. That wasn't a hit with the runners in scoring position. And I mean, even on Saturday, you had the Santander solo homer, you had the Jorge Mateo sack fly. The only hit with a runner in scoring position was the Tyler Nevin RBI double that gave the O's a 1-0 lead in the second inning of that Saturday game. And even the hit with runners in scoring position on Sunday did not produce a run for the Orioles. So at the end of the day, it was really tough to watch this team. I mean, they were historically bad with runners in scoring position in April. I don't want that to happen again but it's looking a little bit like that. Guys are getting cold. It was nice to see Odor Homer because he had had a a tough stretch, did have a double on the weekend as well. But some guys are really struggling. I mean, Tyler Nevin had a few key hits because he was really struggling. Ramon Arias started his rehab assignment in AA Bowie this weekend. Hopefully the O's will have him back because the infield offense has been a nightmare between all the guys they're trying to to churn through. At the end of the day, you know, Adley's in a slump. The offense is slumping right along with him. And it shows you how important he is to this offense, but also hopefully the O's come back home where they've played much better baseball at home than on the road this year. And maybe that will kickstart the offense as they take on the Texas Rangers. And it is those Texas Rangers who come into Camden Yards this week for a three-game series starting with a day game today. It's a 1.05 p.m. Eastern time start here on Monday, the 4th of July. Rangers at 37 and 40 just came off a series where, to be quite honest with you, you know, they looked pretty good against the New York Mets. And they didn't win a series, but they played the Mets strong on the road for three games. And at 37 and 40, the Rangers right now, you know, all the spending they did in the offseason on guys like John Gray, and Marcus Semien, and Corey Seager, starting to pay off a little bit. Texas, they're five games out of the wild card, I get it, but they're playing much better baseball than we've seen from them over the last couple of years. Now, in the Monday pitching matchup, it's going to be Dame Dunning on the Hill For the Rangers, luckily the O's will avoid John Gray in this series. Dunning has a 4.09 ERA in 88 innings over 16 starts this season. He's had back-to-back really good starts coming into this game, but against the Royals and the Nats, maybe the two worst teams in baseball. And on the other side, it's Dean Kramer, who had seven scoreless innings wasted by the Orioles' offense on Tuesday night in Seattle. Dean's been ridiculous since coming off the IL. We'll see if he can continue that against the Rangers on Monday. And then I'll be back with you here on the podcast on Tuesday, recapping game one between the O's and the Rangers, getting you the five things you need to know from that one and getting you all the Orioles talk you need as this week as well. We'll give out some Orioles first half awards because when I'm talking to you next, the Orioles will be exactly halfway through the 2022 season. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network